0: You didn't get this far to only get this far. You're absolutely a winner if you're listening to this because this is a hard, shitty world sometimes. Great world, I love it, but it can be shitty. It can be hard for people, especially if you don't know how to get out of that negative feeling. And everybody has people that are treating them badly. You've all had struggles, but literally, if you got here, you got through all those struggles. You beat all those people who wanted to bring you down, and you you won.
1: Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create A New Tomorrow. I am your host Ari Gronich and today I have with me Tracy Lamori. Tracy is a PR expert who I'm going to not even read her like her normal intro. I'm going to let her tell you about it but this woman made her career by taking about 20 years or so of her life and setting free an innocent man who was on death row. So Hey, you know, I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about that story, and then we'll get into an awesome conversation that hopefully will help you create and do tomorrow for yourself, activate your vision for a better world, do something big in your life like Tracy has. So Tracy, let's uh, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about you.
0: Hi there. So yeah, I'm uh, based in Canada. I'm a Canadian girl, working usually internationally around the world when it's not the middle of COVID. We're on the other side of that now, but still our borders are a little slow in opening up. So I've been here in my basement doing my magic. So I'm an international award-winning publicist working across borders and across industries. And for people who don't really know what that is, it's basically getting people in the news, getting people, you know, elevating their profile, whether they're entrepreneurs, executives, musicians, creatives, authors, all that kind of stuff. But this just happened for me because uh, of a natural kind of, I shouldn't say natural, but I did stop it. from what I started doing after 20 years, I ended up here. And so all the VIP parties and all the travel and all the super cool, amazing things that go with being a publicist weren't in my original plan. I was originally an activist in my 20s with my husband, Dave Parkinson. We've been married 26 years now. We've done all this together, starting with a little radio show in, in Toronto a long, long time ago, just college radio. And then when that was no more was the early days of the internet. We still wanted to have a, a voice, you know, to change the world, um, to you know make things more equal, like you know all those things that you, you're passionate about in your 20s that I'm still passionate about today. Um, and we found out just in a little corner of the early inter, the early interwebs um, about a man named Jimmy Dennis who had paid for this little ad online. He was saying. Hey, I'm on death row. I'm not looking for a pen pal. I'm not looking for a girlfriend. Because uh, a lot of those, you know, prisoner right. pen pals or questions like that. So I'm, I'm innocent and I, I need help. And so my husband and I, we were literally like, hmm, how innocent can this guy be? And yeah. people asked us, what made you actually write? We actually wrote a letter. We wrote to him and said, you know, tell us more. And I think partly was because obviously we were activists, but also we had that radio show not long before. So we were still in that information gathering. And so we, Put penned paper and we said, tell us about it. And we wrote a letter into death row. And he wrote back when the 28, when we were 28 years old and he was 27. And he wrote back with a 28 page letter on both sides and all the legal documents that was in the cell, breaking down the whole case. Like when there was no brochures or pamphlets or websites or anything. And we got this. And what do we do? People said, so, you know, how did you, how, why did you do what you did? But again, why do we write that letter? We wrote the letter and then once we did, here's this person who wrote back, you know, 28 pages who's clearly desperate and needs help. So what do you do with that? Right. You just say, oh, well, so that was a fun read. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so obviously we're like, oh, well, uh, gee, what are we, like we have to do something about it. We had no money. We had no, I wasn't a publicist. We certainly weren't lawyers. But we thought, well, if we're this upset reading just this much, You know, maybe we could put it on these interwebs and somebody who has the ability, somebody who has money, maybe somebody will buy a lawyer, as we originally thought. So we started doing that. And ultimately, we ended up being, you know, we got disturbed by the death penalty in general in America through looking at that case. And so there we were at 28 years old. This is how I learned to write a press release. I literally went to the Alta Vista, precursor to Google, and learned, you know, for immediate release, how to write that. It was really hard to get attention for a case that was, you know, someone was still convicted in America in those, in those days. It was before Making a Murderer. It was before all the wrongful conviction serial and all those podcasts. Right. It was before all that. So we had the internet. We had the, you know, email and everything, but um, it wasn't easy. So the way that we decided to address that, because it's like we were a little mini publicists before we even knew what PR was, was, well, if we talk about, the death penalty in general, as opposed to just this case and use this case as an example, then maybe we'll get in more media. So we did that. We wrote up press releases for immediate release and literally there we were 28, 29 years old, on CNN, on, and, and again, we have no legal experience, no PR experience, not very much media experience. And there we were on CNN, on MSNBC, on Court TV, on panels with lawyers being interviewed by Catherine Cryer, by Nancy Grace, by, like, oh my God. So, it, but it took another 11 or 12 years. That was just, you know, not-for-profit, volunteer. By the way, Jimmy Dennis was freed in, in 2019, 2017. We talk almost every day and there's amazing things going on. With him, he's an RB artist now. So that's telling cool. your listeners should check that out because it's a whole other story. But um you know, in terms of it took another eleven years before I thought, hey, hold on a second, because I was just in tele-sales I could probably, you know, not have a life I hate. I could probably not just sit here doing sales for the rest of my life. But the skills that i built dealing with media are actually valuable skills, duh. And then I thought that's when I thought I could transition it and you know. Help people who don't understand how to get into media get into media. And that's when, when I was 41, 10 years ago, it became a business.
1: Nice. So, so I'm going to unpack this a little bit.
0: Yeah, there's a lot there. I know. Okay,
1: I'm going to unpack for you a little bit. So, first of all, you know, I, I love the story because it reminds me of one of my favorite stories, which is the story of Hurricane Carter. And I don't know what it is, it what it is about you Canadians coming down here thinking you're going to save, you know, all the american people but isn't that weird I, I, do, oh I do i mean i appreciate the thought you know it's just it's funny to me <laughs> that, that TV, apparently we do it <laughs> exactly exactly but here's the question what what is it that canada breeds into the people <laughs> that makes them say go read it you know say a book of hurricane carter's or A little post on a little website on a (laughs) brand new thing called the interwebs with bulletin board (laughs) services. I mean, what it wasn't like you had Google. It was bulletin boards and things. I mean, what made what what is it that makes you do that? And that's anybody I'm joking about the Canada America.
0: Well, I think what I always say to that, because I mean, you can't tell this story I know without it sounding heroic and epic and all that stuff, right? And so I always bring dial that back because I'm not heroic or epic more than anybody else is. And this is where I say that like, even though I did that thing, right? I think that more people would do stuff like that all the time, Canadians, Americans, whoever, everybody would, instead of watching Netflix or whatever, if, if, if they actually believed they could. But people don't think, how do you know? So maybe I was, we were naive. We were, thinking, we're not, like that kid who, in hurricane. Who I, I was privileged to meet Ruben several times towards the end of his life, he moved to Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I didn't even see the, that connection in those days about how the Canadian, like I didn't even see that, even though we were watching the movie and stuff. But um, I think more, people. It's, it's a matter of feeling empowered. You know, whether you're too dumb to know you can't make a difference or feel that you know you can because you've been, you've done it before in other realms. That's what I think. It all comes down to self belief and the, or, you know, and the, and the, the, not like, hey, I can do this, but to think, well, why, you know, it, I can do my little part. I can take a step. I can make a difference. If I do this, maybe somebody else can pick it up and, and do this. I never thought at 28 years old I was going to be able to free that guy from death row, but I kind of did. I kind of did think so. I thought that the world would free him. I thought if we, if we met, made it known, if we did our little part, which was words, People would find out and they would, it didn't go quite that way. There's a lot of opposition. They don't want to be found out. They don't really want it unraveled. It's the truth once it starts, you know. But so there's a lot. It was a bigger beast than we thought, right? We thought we just, just help them point it out. And then we were fighting a bigger battle than we even knew we were. So that, those things intimidate people. And you don't feel like you can make a difference, right? But same reason people don't start a business or they dream about going to travel, but they never do it. It's because they ultimately that they don't see themselves doing it. Yeah. So it's okay. easy, easier to not do it. You know what I mean? Like it's absolutely. not, it's just because it's not right. that I'm better. It, I, I was dumb enough or like hubris enough to be like, hey, you know what? We can let's see what we can do here. And then you see that you can make a difference. And as you do those things, you're like, whoa, look what we just did. And that gives you the confidence and the whatever to, to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I was going to ask you how being an activism, how being an activist is akin to capitalism, because I think that a lot of people think that they're opposing forces. And I think that they're marryable. right? That they have that the two things go together really well. Doing good makes a lot of money when done right kind of thing. And so you've been able to in your career pivot from activism into capitalism a bit. And that was the next thing I wanted to unpack with you is that transition. You started it with belief in self and I just want to like I want to emphasize that for people, right? You have to do the work on yourself so that you have Belief in yourself, so that you have blind faith that what you are doing is going to make a difference in the world. And so, I just wanted to emphasize that, and then have you and once the you do net. that,
0: you do it right because you you ha- you're like, okay, I can do that. Why wouldn't you? I really truly believe that people, you know, people are good. Like Anne Frank said, I still believe in the good of people, and it's true. You know, most people will help, you know, if if there's someone in front of them that's starving, they're going to give them a sandwich. Most people that are, you know, they're going to, so it's just that they don't feel like they have the the power to make an impact. So we don't even try to make an impact. And that's the same as in, in our own personal lives and doing things that would benefit ourselves as it is, you know why don't more people feed the starving children or help for the innocent back from death row? So I always say that because like, it's hugely epic. You know what I mean? Like, I know you can't, like, like, how can you tell that story without and people want to applaud you and be like, awesome. Oh my God, you're so, then I want to go, no, no, no. But the point of it, the whole point of it is not to be applauded. The point of it is for you guys to realize this dumbass girl, now I'm a brilliant, blah, 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 strategic publicist. You can see my list of, you know, whatever behind me a mile long, right? But when I was 20s, you know, there I'm just a crazy girl with the red hair. I would have said to myself too, what can I do? I don't have any money. I don't have any, but it doesn't matter. I had the passion and I had this, you know, and out of that, look, I built this, I never even meant to. Now this weird career has developed, which I, you know, wow, you know, <laughs> but again, it took a long time for me to think of that too. That was part of the strategic, because it wasn't like I went from that, go oh, look, now I've gotten this uh, high profile. Now I'm going to turn it into money. We were doing that for like, it was like a decade after we did TV. Then I, you know, I was still doing all the sales, still doing all that. We were just completely focused on getting him out of de- death row. And then it wasn't until like just a couple of years before he got out when we realized, yeah, it's happening. And I was like, wait a minute. One day, literally about to make another phone call for my crappy job. And I'm thinking, hold on a second. Like, I, I wish I could remember what I was thinking the minute before that. I like, clearly remember that revelation where I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I think that's the publicist. I'm not doing this anymore. And then I, from that moment, I literally went and looked into how can I get free and for the publicist because I have been this history of doing that without getting paid. Right. So I wish I remember what I was, gonna, what I was thinking the moment before that. <laughs>
1: You're probably thinking I've got to make another call.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I've been thinking that for years. What was the, you know... <laughs>
1: It's the breath at the end, you know, nobody can see the breath on the audio, but if you're watching the YouTube, you can see the breath, right? It's... <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I, I you know, the re- revelation moment I, I know for me being a healer, being in my, in, in my industry was I was dead. And then I woke up in a hospital and I sat up and I said, I think I need to be a healer, right? That was my, it was a pretty freaking clear revelation moment. moment. But yeah. I have no idea what was happening in my head before that.
0: Right, that's what I really wish because I, I mean, so clearly I remember that going, you know and from that moment, the way I remember it is I didn't make another call. I might have made one more call, but the way I remember it is I was like, huh. Oh. Yeah, no. Like <laughs> I literally started searching, and I found Elance, and that's how I first started, which is Upwork now, and that's how I first started. I used to get my first clients on that until I just started get transitioning to, you know, LinkedIn. And but yeah, so from what I remember is I literally went, huh? No, I'm not doing that anymore. And then was, the, and then I was like, I think they call that a publicist okay (laughs) now i'm a publicist and then pretty quickly i got a client and one of them was like i think i told you before angela sadler williamson when i wrote rosa park's cousin right who wrote the book or like or sorry the movie my life with rosie for adults which is on amazon Prime, and this week was was nominated was like accepted for or nominated whatever it is for an emmy
1: nice
0: and that was my first, you know, one of my first projects. And that's when I was like, okay, I guess I'm in the game. <laughs> you know, like,
1: so, look at me. <laughs> so here, here's, here's something I, you, you've been saying. I want to unpack that too, is you thought of it and then you did it, right? You, you thought of it and then you started doing actions. You thought I can do this. And then you started making actions towards it a lot of people think I could do something. I have this great idea. I wanted to do this. Oh man, I saw I created this thing I'm seeing out now. I created that 10 years ago. Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it? So all of those things, you know, go through my mind when I hear you saying, well, I just did this. And then, and then I started writing and then I, I went on to Upwork or, you know, Elance and I put my ad out. And then I, these are all action steps that you're doing right so people like i i used to get really upset at the law of attraction because i felt like they they missed this step the action step and so
0: people were like well i made my vision board <laughs> and nothing that's such way i always say it. you can do all that then act in accord
1: Act in accord, exactly. So this is where where the thing you want to do becomes live, becomes alive, right? So listen how I put about- that too.
0: You know how people say fake it till you make it? I hate that because I'm very genuine. I don't like fake it till you make it It's this wrong message. But I get what they're trying to say with that. And so what I what I say with that is from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is don't dream it, be it. Have you ever heard anybody talk about Rocky Horror Picture Show in a business, you know, podcast before? No, but seriously, it's just a line from a song. But I always love that. Don't dream it, be it. So it's the same as I get. You know, it's a saying. If yeah. you want to make it, you don't make it till you make it. Be it. Start it. Do it. Take a step. Now you're in. You want to write a book? Don't just think about write a page. Oh, look at me writing. Now you're writing like a page. Hey, you know what I mean? Right. Just like me when I took that step, I made that freelance or whatever Upwork page. And then I you know, put myself out there and then I got a first client. And oh my God, I, I got that that client, that one. Like I got Angela Sadler-Williamson and actually you know, a Kennedy person. One of the, I don't even talk about this sounds crazy, but one of my first clients on Upwork back then, which I'm not even in touch now, was like a member of the Kennedy family. Remember that story of the Kennedy Brother or cousin or somebody that had murdered the girl in K- Connecticut in the '70s. Oh yeah, that
1: was, uh, So that this was about 700%. ten years
0: ago, there was something going on with the legal situation, and because of my history in the death penalty stuff, right? When I had my up right there, they they saw that, and somebody was like, "Well, we're looking for somebody to write the words for a web page for Michael's Skakel. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote the and it was a Kennedy family member had hired me. I don't remember the name right now, but it was legit on Upwork. Some crazy people are on that Upwork, by the way. <laughs> like, I mean, I've literally got Rosa Parks' cousin and a Kennedy hired me on that. And so that was just like a little short project at the time. Like, it was like a what? But I mean, you know, so there I'm like, okay, hold on. <laughs> this is, you know, so, really, you can do it. That was not easy. I was a freelancer. I didn't even have all these accolades. I had, I was good at what I, I guess I did. I had, I had the history of what I'd done for the, you know, I had been on CNN. My media messaging had got us on, so I, it wasn't just like I was a no, right. I couldn't point to successes. But still, that's very quickly on, to, to your point, I said I was going to do it. I went on there and did it. All of a sudden, I'm working with Rosa Parks' cousin and Kennedy.
1: Crazy, isn't it? Do it. Yeah,
0: exactly. I don't want to quote so, Nike, but just do so, it.
1: Yeah, well, just do it. I, I go back to the, the Risky Business you know, movie and the line that Tom Cruise mm-hmm. is famous for saying, which is, Every now and then you just gotta say, what the
0: fuck? I forgot about that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Do it. <laughs>
1: Do it. <laughs> Do it. And you know, it's funny because here's what here's what the audience is forget, you know, not hearing, right? Is that the thing that's stopping us from just doing it? There is a thing that is an actual thing stopping us from doing stuff, right? Now I call it trauma and then the resulting behaviors and automatic patterns because of the trauma. Fear, you know, distrust, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, all those kinds of things, right? It sounds to me like you act beyond fear right? In some level, even though you're experiencing it possibly. So how did you get to a place where you could act despite maybe the fears and the traumas and the things that were possibly coming your way? Because a lot of what people want to do these days is go up against the systems like, like I do. Go up against the systems as they are. This is going to spark a lot of their fear barrier, right? From just doing it. So why don't we talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that. That's a really good question. I think I'm, I'm, you know, trying to think as you asked that, when I started being like that. But I think I've all, I mean, see, I've always been, it's funny, I'm thinking back to a conversation I had when I was 15 with my best friend, Jennifer. And we, because I I was going to say, I've always been super confident. But at the same time, I've always been like, like anybody, not confident. I was, you know, the fat, Fat girl, you know. So with all that, that's you know, I always I say that now, but I never would have even use those words, even a couple of years ago, because I was so like, oh, if I don't say anything, maybe nobody will notice. <laughs> you know, it was, I don't know, like if they if I would come up on a TV show, I leave the room because somebody might look at me. You know what I mean? Like I was so that shows you I was hugely unconfident about that in my presence in a room and all that. And yet, in spite of that, even at 15, I was like, ah, yeah, whatever, you know. So I remember a conversation with my friend about this kind of thing at 15, which teenagers are more you know smarter than you think they are this really seems resonant and smart to me even now right, right. i don't even remember who was jennifer or me that said this but when we were talking about this you know in a conversation and we were talking about how like we're insecure because she was like me in that way we're insecure you well, know we're securing our insecurities so i was like you know what whatever <laughs> like i don't care in some way you know what i mean like I, like i just didn't because maybe because of that you know thinking people are gonna judge me, whatever. Anyway, same time I'm smart and strategic and whatever. And that, but the confidence, was it, was it a confidence or a lack of confidence that let me say, oh, I don't care anyway. I'm just gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? Was that super confident? Or was it that I wasn't confident that so they figured that they, you know, I wouldn't be accepted or wouldn't be like them or wouldn't be, I couldn't be the pretty blonde girl. I couldn't, you know, anyway, so whatever. So this is what you get. And then I became super confident in that. And that's been everything. Because like, my, like people who knew me back then, when I say, oh, I wasn't confident as a teenager, they're like, okay. Yeah. Or if I say I was shy as a teenager, they're like, <laughs> you were never shy. I'm like, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So it's like, I think I always just, you know, whether it was natural to me at the time or whether it became natural, because now it's super natural going and even whatever i don't care you know right and that is a free and you know it's funny i read recently at 50 like way after this is my personality in psychology today not long ago or maybe it was the new yorker but it was something and it was it was saying that there was a point you know like it's almost like you know that old um what do they used to call people elderly not neurotic like they would say they're um not neurotic eccentric
1: neurotic. eccentric okay
0: Right? Well, they only and said so, that about you know, the wealthy people. Yes, I was just going to say that when you're at a certain level, whether whether it was wealth in the old days or even now of like now it could be of your socials or your that what, social wealth or the credible or whatever, you're uh, then all of a sudden what looks weird. Oh, like when you walk in, when I'm 21 walking into an office with the crazy red hair, how does she think she's going to get hired? You know, whenever a little girl go, what looks weird then when you got this credibility behind you and you're able to, even if they don't know that, at a certain point, they start to think, oh, gee, they, that person who carries themselves like that with that confidence, with that, like my husband's got crazy long curly hair like a rock star, right? And then I got the bright red hair. We go places where people don't even know about, like they don't know why a publicist, they don't know whatever. And they're looking at us and Ooh, we walk in the room and it's funny because I guess because it, but it's the interesting thing is we carry ourselves now, it's probably a combination of the crazy look the red hair and the curly hair. But now that we're 50 and have all this stuff behind us, even if you don't know that, we carry ourselves with a confidence that you you know you wouldn't maybe expect from the crazy red-haired girl or the guy with the curly hair, right? So that right there has, I think, because it happens all the time. now. we're like, but that's so weird. Like, they don't know what we do. They don't know about Hollywood. They don't know. We just literally walk somewhere and like some rabbi you're like, oh, who are you guys? What do you do? We're like, do we have that vibe now? Like, I don't understand. But I think that's what it is. Cause we look off, we don't look at the average 50-year-olds. Right. So clearly, and we're clearly not bums. So then clearly you're somebody. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you just have a suit and tie and look like you know what I mean? So it's right, a weird absolutely. like backslash. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I th- I think 60 something years old is the age of I don't give a shit.
0: I'm and 51. I, I already don't care.
1: Right. But I mean, I mean, in, in just in general amongst the crowd like they'll you know I hear I hear them talking so to speak and they're whispering oh yeah I could toot in public now oh yeah (laughs) you know like I mean it's like the age where just Ah, let it all, you know. I could maybe you just figure it out. Maybe
0: it's just a confidence thing where you realize, no, you know what? All that was just stupid with me sitting there worrying about everybody. Maybe you finally realize what I tell people, which is stop being so stressed out when you walk in the room. You think that everybody in the room is thinking about little old you. Well, that's a lot of arrogance and confidence. They're like, I'm not arrogant. Well, sure you are. You just think that everybody in the room is thinking about you. You don't realize that everybody in the room is thinking about their own crap, their own worry, their own, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And if there's some asshole and they're just thinking about tearing you down, then that's good to know. Then you don't want to deal with them anyway. That's thanks nice letting me know about you, what you're like.
1: Right. You know? So, so deconstructing the societal norms is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So I don't, I didn't tell you any of this stuff on our pre-interview because I wanted you to go. <gasps> <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. So. Deconstructing social norms because here's the thing: there's this guy, he's in your industry way, way, way long before you were. He's called the father of spin, Dr. Bernays. He was the cousin to Freud, and he's the guy who created propaganda.
0: Okay. The guy that was in his 90s, he died in his 90s.
1: Yeah, he created propaganda yeah. in general. He was the guy was that the Hitler, governments and all Hitler that created Mind Kampf after. And like I said, he his psychology was, he, his cousin was, was Freud, and he basically said that people are sheep, and there's a select few that know what the people need, and then the publicity and advertising industry was born to tell people what it was that they needed, to direct them in to a direction like sheep, right? So... That was the father of your industry as publicist. There's a lot of manipulation of people's societal norms. So I want to know how we can manipulate people's societal norms so that they are fearless in the face of fear, so that they act beyond their belief maybe in themselves like you did. So I just wanted to, like, surprise you with a little. Yeah,
0: no, I think that's true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I always think I always love this. The kind of PR I do needs PR <laughs> because it's true when you say PR, even me, when I say, when you say public relations, like that's why I call my, when I rebranded and incorporated, my company was called Lamori PR and media. She was originally Lamori PR and marketing when I started because I came from marketing and I was like, Oh, what if I don't get enough PR content? But I never even did any marketing. So when I was incorporating, I changed it to Lamori media. Because I was like, well, you know, we're never in public relations. It's, uh, you know, and, and also we're a media content creation company, and we're going to be doing more of that. But also, public relations, I think, has a bad spin because when you think about it, you think about like spin doctors. <laughs> the guys, excuse me. Oh my goodness, the guys that stand up in front of, of um. Yeah. No, I'm good. The guys that uh, stand up in front, you know, for politicians. Or whenever, or for a company that's done something wrong, or they, you know, had a big bad media thing and now they've got it. A- or, you know, the president's
1: <laughs> press secretaries or, you
0: know. <laughs> right, the language. Or, you know, a media, or, or like a, a maybe non-nefarious example. Oh my God, excuse me, it would be like a public health campaign. You know, where they need to get a bunch of information out to where that is the situation where you're talking about. They, they specifically want people to act in a certain way so they're exactly. putting out the news, ask you know, like uh, you know, uh, what we see with COVID is a you know perfect example of that. Yeah, no I, did, I didn't say it. anything
1: about COVID at all. No,
0: no and I don't like to go into that either because I'm not even I, I don't have a strong opinion about it because I, I like to have opinions about things when I know a lot. Yeah, and I and I, you know, I, I, and I like
1: having my YouTube channel.
0: And also, <laughs> no, I, yeah, and I'm not even going either direction on it because me personally, I have it because as again, in general about the world, I like to know a lot of things before I start spouting off. I like to really be confident and when it comes to all that i am not confident i don't know anything on either side so but i'm just just strictly as an example of so not with with other, with the true, not none of that just like you know or, or let's make up a, let's not call it COVID. let's say there's a public health b you know a public health emergency c everybody's gonna this is gonna happen if people do that you know so they they want to get in a massive information so something like that yeah but what I what I, I reinvented. I, I never went to PR school. I didn't even meet a publicist until recently. I never read a book on PR. I started messaging to get the word out about someone. So to me, what I have done in my career, what I call PR, with you know, in the services that I provide for my clients, I don't you know, it's funny because an LA client said to me they fired their uh, Hollywood publicist for me, and a month after work together, they're like. You do things that no other publicist does. And I'm not saying that to say I'm better because I invented this in my head. You know what I mean? To me, right. I didn't go to school and learn what the perimeters of a, what a publicist does for their client is. To me, it's your public image. It's all of it. It's what I would do for myself. It's I want to get you in award shows. I want to get you media. I want to just get your message out there. right? So I call what I do elevating and celebrating. Some PR good PR spin eh but actually that literally came out of me in a podcast when we were having a conversation like this the podcaster was like I'm really I wanted you to know I normally wouldn't have a publicist on because my show is all about the jet but I really like your vibe and I listened to your show so he was saying the same thing and I was like but really it's more about elevating inside I was like I, I that's what I do." like it just popped out and I was like I love that but that's true it, that's what I, I find people who are already doing amazing things, whether they're creatives, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they're, they may not even realize how amazing the things they're doing are. And I'm like, why aren't you getting quoted about that? Why aren't you? So literally my job is what I do is I find people, writers who deserve to be heard and, and find ways to get them heard, people that aren't looking at it, and I find ways to break that barrier for them so that they we can get into the media. I was a, I surprised you. I used to be a punk, Harry, but you know, Jello Biafra in the old, from Dead Kennedys, in the old punk days. Oh my God, Kennedys came up twice in this conversation. My bad.
1: And they're all <laughs> the dead, dead, dead Kennedys, the dead and the dead Kennedys,
0: right? <laughs> um, Jello Biafra said if you don't like the media don't hate the media become the media in the 80s, way, way before all this. And I was like, yeah, so I am the media. We are all the media. In some ways that's a problem these days, because you know, some people are just starting off and whatever. That's Ugh. but um but you know in terms of mainstream media I, I, I what I find is so that guy I, I stay away from that stuff specifically because I don't like to work. You know, when I used to be a passionate politico because I was an as- activist. I thought, you know, I was passionate about some of the people that I thought were going to change things. I would use my skills, you know, for politics. not it was in the days before I was getting paid for stuff. Now I really don't want to. And I won't say never because maybe somebody will follow my, they'll convince me that they're God's greatest gift to, you know, activists and they really do mean it. But I like to stay away from politics, not because the people are bad, because the system is so corrupt. Like I said, even the, you know, the best person going into that shitstorm they're not going to be able to do what they want to do. They're not going to be able to. So it's very, I don't want to sully my professional reputation. If I'm an activist and I came from this, you know what I mean? I didn't come from right. this. Just, just, like I want to always, I, I want that activist that I was in my twenties to always be proud of this corporate chick in my fifties. Like you said, at the beginning that different, you know, I even recently I came from a, a mindset. I still have to convince myself sometimes that, yeah. Oh yeah. Isn't that funny? how We have doesn't mean you're evil. Hey, look at that! Because it's true. Like the corporate is always like, you know, Mr. Burns on The Simpsons or whatever. Like our it's always you know that. So as an activist, you're thinking anybody in business clearly they're just money oriented. They don't care about all this stuff. It's almost been a revelation. It continues to be a revelation as I am, you know, higher and higher in business and my circles are wider and wider and more people with money are in my circle and more big people with bigger money and all that. And then I tell my story or podcasters who are huge, huge, you know, corporate business guys and they're like almost crying here and I'm like, wow, these people actually do care, huh? But they weren't listening before. Yeah. How come they listen? So now I'm like, now I'm at a place, so I learned so much doing this, you know, like from what stuff you said to the perceptions that were wrong about you know, what they thought was wrong about activists, what I thought was wrong about people. So really, we are all really confused about each other and our motivations. Whether it comes to like the right and the left and the you know people that I think are bad because I'm a hardcore anti race that I would not have on my table and all that. Even then, I have to remind myself, people are people, and they're not always working on the same motivation that we think they're working on. Sometimes it's like you said, fear or misunderstanding or whatever. And if you and break those things down. So in that sense, it is important to break things. To, to, you know, to, So I, yeah, in terms of PR, like truth, it, it's communication and people management, for sure. It's contacts, communication, and people management, for sure. But I don't look at it as a nefarious way. I'm not trying to find ways to convince people of things that aren't true. I, I do try to find ways to convince, no, I, to, I, to, let, to use my words so people can hear what I'm saying, different audiences can understand what I'm saying and hear me without their own barriers going up before they could even
1: hear me. Right, no, I guess what I, was, what I was getting at was not sullying you or your profession. What I was saying oh, is- Oh, I
0: got it totally. Yeah, what answer. I was saying
1: is, is how do we get the profession in general? Because a lot of people, obviously, they don't trust the media these days. And so how do we get the profession in general to understand that truth messaging is as powerful, if not more powerful, than fake media and false That's messaging. Really and, yeah. and how do we get the people to understand what the differences are when we clearly have a complete lack of um, cognitive dissonance right now or critical thinking and the ability oh, to understand really bad. information? So, you know, how do we bring people back to a place where they can really truly know what's real so that they can act on it, so that they can feel like they can do something, so that they have the faith and the confidence and all those things that we've been talking about beforehand. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm trying, you know,
0: I yeah, that's I'm, a really I'm hard question. Weav- especially I'm weaving we all together. It all
1: yeah. yeah, I'm weaving it all together. How do we yeah. bridge those gaps? These are the conversations I at least want to have in general and have you have with all of your media people, right? How do we do that as a community of media people so that we can really change the industry together? How do
0: people think, I mean, number one, I mean, you know, honestly, it's it's, you that cognitive distance is so true. It's hard. It may be hard for people to do, but you have to really understand, like no matter when you hear information, who is giving me this, like where is this information coming from? Who is giving me this information, and why do they want me to believe it? I ask myself Who benefits from me believing this? You know, and, and like honestly, I ask myself that when I watch everything. Like even if something, because something might sound good, it might if it fits your mindset if it fits your belief system it fits your whatever then you're going to want to believe it whatever you hear whatever information like that's nasty about that size whatever but always question question everything i swear button is as a little punk rocker that said question authority and i still you know say that question everything question all the information question the information i give you do it because you should be questioning all information you know who benefits from this well, you know, Tracy's clients benefit from me hearing, but, then, but that's not nefarious or whatever, you know, but ask yourself, is there, you know, who benefits from this? And who, is there another side to it? Always question your own thinking, edit your own thinking, make sure, read other stuff. That's the number one way. I read everything. I read the right wing. I read, I mean, I'm a lefty, obviously, even though I always say a bird can't, I mean, I, in terms of, I, I, you know, most of the things, if you were lining them up, I would agree more. But not always. I mean, like, I'm not a radical on anything. Right. A bird can't fly with only one wing. You ever notice? You ever see a bird try to fly? So, like, really, I'm not a lefty ear or I, t- I like I, I'm an ideas girl. I'm tired of all this, like, what side are you on? I'm about ideas. I don't know. Let's talk about the specific thing we're talking about. Exactly. And I'll hear both ideas I, that maybe will.
1: I, I, this is part of why I like having you on, because... I so agree. This is what I talk about so often is critically think each individual issue, each individual thing in your life, in your business, in your politics, in your community. It's like, ask good questions
0: of yourself. Hey, why am I, why do I believe that? Why? Is it because all my friends say that? Oh, well, you know what? Look, so honestly, like I, I literally read every everything that's Sports Illustrated. I read them, like the like I read them all the mainstream stuff, right? And I watch whatever. And then I read if I can get my hands on some crazy left wing stuff, I'll read it. Like I mean, radical, crazy right wing stuff, I'll read it. And I'm shaking my head at both. going, Oh my god, you know? And I, you know what I'm saying? So like, I understand that I'm reading what people are saying. I'm hearing not just the argument of people that think my way, but all of them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's you know. You know what I'm saying? So that way I'm not not because i I think I'm gonna even be convinced about stuff, but just to, if you don't understand the way people are thinking, and this isn't just so that I can do the messaging, right. this is so that I can be this is from the activist me. Because PR me developed out of activist me. And we were choking me and my husband Dave were talking to the other day, go, man. We were like back, we were thinking back in our 20s, you know, we started a campaign because we were at the place we worked at, we wanted to bring in a union. We didn't know any unions. We weren't radicalized. From that. We just didn't like the way we were being treated at work. One girl said, hey, I think you can go to any union. And we were like, really? Let's look, let's look that up. And we looked it up. We made a couple of calls. And then all of a sudden we were in the Globe and Mail, Canada's biggest you know, financial paper. At 20, before the CCADB, before the death penalty, I forget this stuff. At 25, 26 years old, me and my husband and one girl, we unionized the first call center in Canada. And that was, again, we were not like big union activists. We were just doing whatever, you know. So it's always a matter of like, you know. But we, oh yeah, why I started bringing that up? We were always really good. So we were not mess, you know, like. We weren't publicists, but at 25 years old, the union, the company was trying to silence the talk about unions. So they came and bought everybody pizza one day. So we wrote a literally, we wrote a marketing, but I look back on now, a really good PR piece It said, Well, the union will give you more than just pizza. And then it had a whole big, big breakdown. We went with a 99% vote, the union, which I wasn't even a part of, right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen a vote like that. We, Because we, again, we did the work. We called all of our fellow worker, we said, do you have any questions? Call us. We put the time in, we care. You know what I mean? But it was really good when I look back on it. After 20 years of doing this, I couldn't have done a better campaign now than I did as a dumbass 24 year old activist because we were just, it was the same thing. It was just messaging, seeing what the situation was, really believing in it, right? And say we're gonna tell people and we're gonna tell people in a way they can hear it. We're gonna, you know, And that's what it all is so buddy with his 90 the only thing i I think the guy that you're talking about the only thing i admire about him it's funny i read about him in new Yorker, and it was hilarious they said he was in his 90s i believe it's the same guy because they said he was the father of pr and they mentioned that he worked for like you know countries right and they said he was in his 90s he still went to work in his office in new york city like literally every day you know and they were telling this like it was some crazy thing right and i was reading it going yeah, <laughs> he's a publicist, <laughs> so that was the only thing where I, I felt like a, a resonance there. I was like, yeah, I'll be doing this at 108, that's what we do, <laughs> you know, like, but other than that, yeah, so I don't agree, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that's, like, I, I don't believe in spin, I certainly don't, I did not know that thing on Mind Comp, that's really informative and interesting because yeah, there is definitely a dark side, which is called, you know, and that was used to be called dark PR, and I'm sure a lot of people actively do that. And that's what they do in politics and everything, where all they're trying to do is dig, you know, the whole class is dig up the others, right. leaking and digging all that stuff up. And I don't want any part of that.
1: Right. And that's literally, I guess, what is going on right now, at least in the US. I don't know about how the news looks in other countries at this moment. I know how it looked like in 2004 during the elections when I was in Greece. Uh, I, don't, I could see the news and the differences between what's being aired on U.S. TV versus Greek TV at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know in the U.S. This, this massive thing about fake news and we just don't really know what is true and what's not true anymore. And all the resources to, you know, you Google something and you get a completely different set of answers than you do if you Yahoo something. Or if you give something and, and it's like, okay, who's pushing which agenda? And is there, is there any kind of you know, independent search that doesn't have <laughs> the uh, the preconceived algorithm to send you to where they want to send you?
0: That's interesting uh, too, because even the more when you search, you know, Google knows your search history too, right? Like Facebook, they give you, which is so we're getting in this weirder, weirder, like the circle. Well, who knows how it's getting like it's getting worse and worse, and in five years it probably gonna be even worse because where we're hearing only are like those echo cha- for the echo chambers, right? And then yeah. there's those new social media platforms, people who've been kicked off the Twitter and Facebook or whatever, and they're super echo chambers where like it's only that. So on, it's like it's, it's all that's in, it's all of a sudden if everyone around you is talking about whatever. You know, in a certain way, that start to seem like your reality. That's how cults work, that's how governments work when you're in a government, not even meaning to, but you're in a government. And that's why I call everything a cult, because I understand the way a mind works. I call the political parties that I used to be in a, a cult. You know, the, the NDP, which is the lefty lefty party. And I left them because I was like, you know what, even in they're supposed to be the one of social, and I'm not dissing them because they're all like this, you know, they're right. supposed to be the one of social justice, blah, 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 in line with all the people that are like me, who care about this, that, and the other. But when it comes down to it it is an entity and a party and it's working inside and part of what it does is to exist itself where we're activists we're always on those issues looking for a partner that's going to help well those political parties aren't ever because they can't be there once you get in there there's all these different other things going on and as people oh, whatever's around us be. sounds good you know we, like you know you relate to the people around you you start to like so when those other people because oh those people are crazy they don't Meanwhile, you're not realizing you just seeing your little part of the elephant, like those activists are seeing their part of the elephant or the finance people are seeing their part thinking everyone else is crazy, but there's truth in all of it, maybe. Right. But in terms of the media, oh, God, I don't even know just so much. This fake news thing is like and this like, the expression fake news is just so annoying because I mean, like everything, anybody can call anything that now, exactly. you know, but at the same time, it's true. Like they're, they're, that, that did address originally the you know propaganda side of news. So yeah, it's a different you know, uh, it's a shit show now. Let me tell it you. is.
1: It's it's really fun. It's the
0: only way to that.
1: It's really entertaining, but uh, not if you actually want to know something about what's <laughs> happening in the world. And and I think that was the point. Is when when the deregulation happened, and they they started making. News uh, for profit. It used to have to be the only, it was the, it had to be not for profit division of a corporation to to deliver the news. And then they deregulated it and they allowed for a 24 hour news cycle that had advertising and all of a sudden
0: stopped getting
1: the news, Um, at least as far as Walter Cronkite, I think, delivered. Yeah,
0: that trusted. (laughs) That's true. And there used to be a clear, like a delineation like 100% between the editorial and advertorial where like an editor would shoot themselves in the head before they let any editorial or advertorial content come, like 100%. But now that's actually changed even right. to like, I'm still shocked and even in new in, in newspapers even, where like, and to their great regret, like I've talked to business press, for example, where they're like, oh my God, Trace, but like the you know, editors of Financial Post and stuff where they're like, that's a great story. I myself have 18 literally 18 stories. I'm an editor of the financial press. I have 18 business stories I want to put. But my business press has been, you know, like cut from like six pages, 10 pages to two, three to two and a half pages, one told me, with one and a half of the editorial content going to people who placed ads. And I was like, oh my God. And that's in a newspaper. Oh my God. And he was like just tell me this truth, right? And I was like, geez. Because you see some of that, like, I guess the reality of the newsroom now, like the economic, you know, it's crazy. But that's the kind of thing that ruins, like, that, you know, you used to be like, you come to me for like earned media. There is no, like, I don't do pay to play. Right. I don't put when you pay me, you don't, you know, I don't come to you later and say, pay to get into this because that's advertising. Right. I find opportunities where you are a respected source and you quote it as an expert source. And that's why it's valuable, because it's not advertising because you can't buy your way into that. It's me presenting you. You know, that's why it's valuable. If they yeah. keep doing this it's going to be, you know, like as seen on TV, used to have cachet to people, you know, when it was like an, a, a, a purchased ad. Until people figured out, oh, wait, that's just an ad, you know? And now we, it still has the cachet, like if you're on the news, CTV or whatever, because you're not supposed to be able to buy your way. But now they're starting to be that, like, and that's not right. a good thing at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here, here's, you know, I like to play with, with you in some of those mind things. You said, I know the mind. I know the consciousness. So here, here's where I like to go, right? I want to create a new tomorrow. I want to activate people's visions for a better world. Activate is an active thing that you have to actually actively do. And in my opinion, that is activism because you're doing the thing that you're passionate about that is going to move people forward. So that's an activism thing. So creating an active movement, creating people who are actively doing and collaborating with others who are like-minded. How do you move the mountain? How do you get people to come along with you? How do you get people who want to be the leader to step up to be that leader so that they can then bring the people in?
0: I think it's really showing people that you can do it. Like that's what I think people always tell me that I've inspired them and all that. And I think it's just because they look at me and they're like, oh, like she, even my daughter, when we, you know, we met her at 15, she, she's adopted. And she was already awesome, activist-minded, all kinds of, you know. But like when she came into our family and saw all the newspaper articles on the on the thing about, uh, you know, us with the death penalty and, you know, you you know all these like newspapers all over America from the bottom of can you know from Canada in our basement you know there we have a cover of the Houston Chronicle that like and she said to me years later not then because she started doing her own activist stuff not around the death penalty obviously there are other stuff right. she you know fights with ab- a lot of Aboriginal rights stuff early on it was animals now it's you know First Nations and stuff and um, um so, but she—I remember she literally said, like, you know, I thought I've I always always kind of activist-minded, but I looked at all this literally and thought, well, if you guys can do that, it just made it real, like, oh wow, because it's like it's true, like, you know, like seriously, what? We elevated ourselves so much, you know, without—it wasn't about us. We were never trying. To, it was about getting the message out. but somebody had to be speaking the message, and all of a sudden, we're there. People look, you know. So, like. The, we never should have been able to do that stuff, but we just didn't think we, we thought we should be able to. So we did, <laughs> you know? And so she was inspired by that. So I think people see that it's not that hard. It is hard, but it's not it's like anything. It's not, nothing is hard. Nothing, maybe brain surgery. I've never done that. That's probably hard. But I mean, other than that, like <laughs> most things in life are not hard. If a human can do it, you can do it. If a person can do it, if you can conceive of it, if you can, you know, and if you take that first step, again, you're a lot closer. Like, a lot of these things, when you know, when we say them, people think, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that a million times before. But it's so, it's true. Just do it. If you take a step, now you're not where you were before. You're one step closer. And you realized you did that. And then maybe if you take one more step. You're going to get a serotonin boost, a little bit of gold, you know, whatever. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, man. You know, like, so I'm lucky. And, like, I don't know what it was that pushed me on path, but, like, I just didn't have fear. And so, I, like you said, the fear. And I did stuff. And every time I did stuff, you know, I'd get... Back in those days, it wasn't a money reward at all. <laughs> and like, now it's, you know, money. Back then, we weren't thinking about that. But, I mean, the reward... And it wasn't even about ego. It wasn't about getting the article. It was about... We were, like, literally in it to accomplish that thing. Oh, my God, we're in that article. Not like, oh, great, Tracy's in that article. It's like, how many people read that? How many people are going to hear that? I'm going to hear about Jimmy. Jimmy, they're gonna, it was really about that. And when you're actually doing that, that's when you get hurt. when you're doing something. Right. You know?
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for, for all of that. Is there anything else that you feel like you just need to give to the audience that you, you're like aching to share with them?
0: Well, I usually end on, this, on, that, um, a, knock, on a positive note for people who aren't feeling so positive. Because I think we always talk about all these accomplishments and blah, 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 you know, like looking at people on vacations on the Internet, it can make people feel pretty bad about themselves. But I again, want you to realize, well, everyone to realize. So there's Jimmy who you know spent 25 years on death row. He used to always say, never, never give up, which, you know, for real. That's that's how he got through it. And then even now when he's out and we, you know, everyone has trauma whenever he's talking about stuff and he's having a bad day, I'll be like, yeah, you know what, we didn't get this far to only get this far, which I just found on Facebook. I saw that on Facebook once. And for him, I'm like, you know, cause it's Grammys on the way. You already did the hard stuff. You got those doors open that no one would have thought you could do. We didn't get that far. It's not, you know, get the rest of your dreams. This is the easy part for you. Like to get the Grammy compared to what we've done already is easy. That's possible that wasn't <laughs> we did that you know so that's uh, but but more even more importantly for people who like maybe don't so and, so you know for people who are feeling good about themselves if you didn't get this To only get this far, there's more to go but really more importantly for people who don't feel good about themselves who are like who feel like they're a loser who feel like they're not winning who feel like you know they just don't feel good they want to jump off a bridge they feel like everybody's doing good with themselves there's no hope you didn't get this far to only get this far, you're absolutely a winner if you're listening to this. Because this is a hard, shitty world sometimes. A great world. I love it. But it can be shitty. It can be hard for people, especially if you don't know how to get out of that negative feeling. And everybody has people that are treating them badly. You've all had struggles. But literally, if you got here, you got through all those struggles. You beat all those people who wanted to bring you down. And you're, you won. So you're still here. And there's only tomorrow you know, to do more. So you have to literally realize you didn't get through all that. You didn't deal with all those idiots. You didn't deal with all that to be feeling this way today. you got to like applaud yourself for where you got and keep on going. So that's, I think, super important.
1: Yeah, that, that was one of the things that I thought of earlier in the conversation when you were talking about celebration. And I think that people forget to celebrate their wins. They're definitely ready to experience their failures, you know, emotionally, but celebrating their wins is, and being grateful for that win each time it comes, even if it's tiny, tiny, tiny steps is an amazing thing for people to do to keep moving them forward and feeling good about it, even in those moments of hardship, right? And struggle. I mean, you went through a lot of years of hardship and struggle on that path to get that person. And I'm sure that part of what you were thinking is nothing that I'm experiencing is as much as what he's experiencing being in that space. And so using that as part of like cross motivation, Exactly. and I tell people, you're not done until you're dead. You know, you can't, you can't fall off a wagon. There is no wagon. If you're not dead, you're not done.
0: <laughs> I like so it. Yep.
1: literally, at any moment in time, choose to do something different, to move, to fly away, to go on a vacation, to rest and breathe and not, take, not pick up your phone, to do any yeah. of these things. You are more than capable of because you're a human being. And so I really appreciate you being on and sharing your story, your wisdom, all of the things that got you to a place. And I hope that this that the audience listening really gets that they can do something to activate their vision for a better world and create a new tomorrow today. And it doesn't take a whole lot. It's just one step at a time. So thank you so much for being here. And uh, this has been another episode of Create A New Tomorrow. I'm your host Ari Gronich. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, Go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next
0: episode.